The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Goldman Sachs sounds the alarm. They have a message for traders clinging to the hope that the U.S. and Chinese will reach an 11th hour solution before the trade war escalates at midnight Friday. Don't bet on it. That's their message. The full fallout as... Beijing's delegation of traders arrives here, set to arrive here in Washington, D.C. Within the next few hours, we have complete wall-to-wall coverage, Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio, all of the latest as those tariffs are set to spike. They are set to spike. They're at 10% now. They could be at 25% at 12.01 a.m. on Friday. Tick-tock, the clock is ticking down plus. Meanwhile, a House panel holds bar in contempt as President Trump amps up Mueller feud, the latest in the ongoing saga that just never seems to end between Republicans and Democrats over all of this back and forth. All-star panel, all-star panel with us here in studio, John Summers, former communications director for Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, and Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to the former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he is a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. Breaking news, headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak. The Senate Intelligence Committee has subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. over the Russia investigation. My colleague Shannon Pettipiece and Laura Curtis breaking it down on the Bloomberg terminal. Quote, the Senate Intelligence Committee subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. over testimony he gave to Senate investigators related to the Russia probe, according to a person familiar with the matter. The committee wants him to respond to Michael Cohen. Remember him? He's in jail now. Michael Cohen's testimony on the Trump Tower Moscow project. The panel's inquiry, led by Republican Chairman Richard Burr and Democrat Mark Warner, has largely been bipartisan. That's uh, from my colleagues Shannon Pettypiece and Laura Curtis on the Bloomberg Terminal. We're going to have much more on what that means for the investigation. All-star panel with us in studio, John Summers, former Communications Director for former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. He's a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And you know, 
Brendan, I was really struck by just the fallout today. President Trump heading to Florida, but you've got, or he's going to be heading to Florida, you've got the Chinese delegation set to arrive here tomorrow, led by Vice Premier Luihua. And no one's talking to each other. I mean, literally no one's negotiating. And the deadline for the tariffs that are at 10% right now, they're going to be spiked up to 25% on billions of dollars worth of goods. That's set to take effect on Friday at 12.01. I mean, this, is, this isn't just negotiations in a vacuum. Folks all across the country, small businesses, we always talk about big business, small businesses are going to be impacted by this. And you know this, Brendan. You, you're plugged into all the Republicans up there on Capitol Hill. I can't find many Republicans who like these tariffs. This is one thing that I think uh, unites us all uh, on the Hill. We, we all have various views about Donald Trump, but I don't think anybody has found that this approach is, is really useful for anybody. But at the same time, are you really surprised? I mean, this is how Donald Trump negotiates, right? Um, he, he stirs things up. He makes it crazy. You know, for the longest time, I thought that there was no chance that he was actually going to be able to get the Chinese to sit down and, and talk to him. Um, to his credit, we're at this point. And I think people had thought things were actually going in a, in a decent direction, that we would potentially end this madness. Um, but nothing goes easily around here anymore. And so now we're back to these, these sort of sh- crazy shenanigans. So I want to at least give it a, a second to see if, if it will settle back down, because I feel like we've been here before. I feel like we've, we've had these standoffs before, and they end up calming down. But if we go to 25%, that's a big deal. If you think about it, the best thing that the president has going for him to try to get reelected is the economy. And if he wants to try to um, uh, sabotage that, uh, with, with new tariffs, I, I, I question question that significantly. And John, I know you're going to disagree with this. You are a Democrat, but I mean, when Wait, you what? look at you look at the when you look at the uh, when you look at the eco data, for example, I mean, look, you've got pretty good GDP, you've got jobs numbers in the decline, and yet it's like they're stepping on themselves with this tariff talk, which most economists estimate would slice GDP by 0.1%. Goldman's taking it seriously. I love this story on the Bloomberg Terminal by my colleague Luke Kawa. Uh, he, he reports that Goldman Sachs is really taking this threat of uh, the tariffs spiking very, very seriously. And the markets are going up and down, bumpy ride, buckle up. Investors are grappling with conflicting headlines. And look, I, I trust Bloomberg's reporting. It's been rock solid on this. But you've got these other blogs and whatnot that are going back and forth about whether or not you can take these seriously. And no one is talking about what the U.S. and the Chinese are not talking about, which is the tariffs that are already in place. The president is threatening to increase tariffs, not to remove all of the tariffs. So it is a very different conversation to suggest that you are going to keep the tariffs that are already in place with no off-ramp, which is one of the sticking points between the U.S. and China, versus the current parameters of the debate, which is the tariffs that are already in place stay, and they're getting jacked up on Friday. From your perspective, John, I mean, how how does is there an opportunity? When I talk to some centrist Democrats, like Senator Chris Coons, for example, he's he's tinkering with the idea that there might be some opportunity for bipartisan legislation to provide an off ramp 
for some of these businesses impacted by tariffs. Yeah, no, and I think your your point is right, and and people are still already struggling with some of the tariffs as a you know as a result of the uh, of the increase last time. And so when you talk about going up to twenty five percent, what you're really talking about, as I think we all agree, is raising taxes once again on American consumers. That's what it ultimately boils down to. I will say I am a Democrat, but. Uh, but I won't concede. I, I, the, the economy is going well. The economy is absolutely going well. I it has been Brendan for Buck, ten years. Brendan Buck is texting. <laughs> That's some, the like, part. He's texting that, some some Republican operatives for the ad now. Yes, although Harry Reid's guy even said the economy is doing well. As it has been for ten years now, so it's been continuing on a trend that we've seen since President Obama took office. It's not hard to look at that trend line, but. Trump is in office. Trump gets to own it. If the economy wasn't doing well, I'd certainly be sitting here saying the economy had been doing well for 10 years and he tanked it. That's not where we are, thank goodness. But, you know, to, to your point, to Brendan's point, I agree. When you start talking about 25 percent tariffs, I think that puts us at major risk. And I hope I mean, I, I, I have faith the trip hasn't been canceled. I have faith that something is going to come through. Why would you want to miss it? I mean, the meeting's going to be so interesting. If I were in the Chinese position, I'd be like, I'm not missing this. Here's what White, <laughs> House, <some> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's what White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders had to say earlier today at the White House uh, on the U.S.-China trade deal. We've got an indication that they want to make a deal. Uh, our teams are in continued negotiations. They're going to sit down tomorrow, and we'll see what happens from there. That was White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders discussing the U.S.-China trade talks. Coming up, much more on U.S.-China trade policy with Brendan Buck and John Summers, plus the latest on the investigations uh, really just swirling around Capitol Hill and the latest breaking news uh, this evening, Senate Intelligence Committee subpoenaing Donald Trump Jr. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading my favorite app, the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, and you are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On. So people think they're going to rush our border. We just lock up that border so tight nobody gets through. I mean, I do try. I think you try, too. I've never seen such a beautiful turkey. I always like to be truthful. Behind the Tweet with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy hump day, folks. We are going behind the tweet because the president had a lot to say about former Vice President Joe Biden, now Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden, and with China. China, we're following the U.S.-China trade talks from every which angle, from the policy, from Beijing to Wall Street, Main Street. A Beijing delegation is set to arrive here in Washington, D.C. tomorrow, on Thursday, to hold trade talks with President Trump. This, as that deadline ticks down at 12.01 a.m. on Friday, tariffs are set to increase on billions of dollars worth of goods. They're already increased by 10 percent on billions of dollars worth of goods. President Trump is saying he will jack them up to 25 percent. Wall Street has been going up and down, gyrating back and forth in terms of all of the latest volatility that has really just penetrated the, the, the street as traders are trying to, to make their, their way out of all of this. And the supply chains really impacted Caterpillar, John Deere, 
uh, Boeing, uh, and others. It has an impact, as one economist put it, particularly on low-income Americans, folks who shop at Walmart. Nothing wrong with that. I still shop at Walmart. And they're going to potentially see some price increasing on clothing and on other goods, everything impacted from a soda can, which is, of course, made of commodities and whatnot. But then think bigger picture, especially if you're in your car on your way home from work right now, because those stocks that are impacted, a lot of folks have their retirement savings somehow connected to a lot of the, the companies and the firms that we just had on, which is why President Trump's tweet was so interesting. He said, Earlier this morning, quote, the reason for the China pullback and attempted renegotiation for the trade deal is the sincere hope that they will be able to negotiate with Joe Biden or one of the very weak Democrats and thereby continue to rip off the U.S. for years to come. Guess what? Not going to happen. China has just informed us that they, Vice Premier Luihua, are coming to the U.S. to make a deal. We'll see. But I am very happy with over $100 billion a year in tariffs filling U.S. coffers. Great for U.S., not good for China. Brendan Buck is former communications director to former uh, Speaker Paul Ryan. He is a partner at Blue Engine JDA. John Summers is former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. All right, so who would be better against the Chinese, John, Trump or Biden? Well, I, what's ridiculous is that he's just coming out trying to say, you know, that he's the one coming to save the day. Like, all this is going to be stalled for the next two years. I just think it's ridiculous. And it's, once again, just this example of, you know, a president who's more concerned about, you know, his own brand than he actually is, you know, the results of his policies and how they impact the American people. Those tariffs aren't necessarily filling the American coffers. They're coming out of the pockets of American taxpayers. That's right. And obviously this is sort of typical Trump bluster. What I find most interesting about this is that he's name-checking Joe Biden. I mean, Mm -hmm. at this point, clearly Joe Biden is on his mind. This is the person that he, I think, is most fearful of running against. And I think for good reason. I think Joe Biden... Um, is the probably the most inoffensive uh, alternative uh, to a lot of people. The Democrat Party is running far to the left. Um, basically, everybody other than Joe Biden is trying to set up this debate about, you know, this is their progressive moment. We may have to make sure that we elect the most progressive person so that when we come in, we can take over. And Joe Biden is just saying, I'll beat Trump. That's all I want to do. And he basically has that lane to himself at this point. And I think that's a big reason why you're seeing him leading the polls right now. Well, it's also, I think, to, to Brendan's point, John, it's interesting because Biden's whole pitch right now, well, not well, a, a big portion of his pitch, is that he would be able to win back some of those working class voters who voted previously for Obama and then switched over to Trump in states like Pennsylvania, in the western pen- portion of West uh, Pennsylvania, suburban Pittsburgh and whatnot, Scranton, of course, where Biden has staked a personal claim as well, Ohio, Wisconsin, Detroit, all of these more working class areas. And it, it, it's interesting because as the former vice president campaigns to union workers in particular, the first big speech he gave of his presidential campaign was to union workers. I mean, this is ground zero, essentially, of the trade war are these union workers. So is there a bit to Brendan's point of that that is factoring in this when the president is saying, hey, I, I'm getting tough on China and Biden wouldn't be able to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and to Brendan's point, I mean, 
Trump has made it clear that Biden is the one he does not want to run against. I mean, if you see the look at the people he's attacking the most, those are the people he's most fearful of. Right. And so, you know, it's not surprising to me, you know, going back to your point about Biden campaigning in front of union workers. That's exactly what I would be expecting, regardless of where we are in these trade talks with China or at any other point, because that's where his roots are. Um, You know, we're talking a lot about uh, his ability to, you know, win in some of these, you know, the Rust Belt states and so on. That's the message we're hearing as D.C. insiders, right? But that's not what people, Speak that's not the yourself. message. I don't know if I call myself a D.C. insider. You are. <laughs> oh, God. You, what do you do again? Oh, God. I think it's Delco. <laughs> but, but careful but, what you wish for. But my point dad. being, you know, that's not, that's what you're picking up as the message that he's selling, but that's not the message that he's selling. The message he's actually selling when he goes out on the trail, and to be clear, I'm not behind any one of the candidates right now, but the message he's selling when he goes out on the trail right now is restoring American leadership, which is, I think, something that we all agree on and at the at the end of the day i think a lot of people are feeling disenfranchised they're feeling forgotten about and they're uh, they're frustrated with the leadership that we're seeing on i love the White how you House. say right now let me know when that changes john uh you know but in terms <laughs> of the politics of the the trade debate especially with china ahead of the beijing delegation led of course by vice premier luehua are coming to the u.s on thursday on friday at uh, the deadline ticks down for these billions of dollars worth of tariffs, it's fascinating to get a glimpse into the the political messaging coming out of Biden world, obviously from the president's Twitter account. I mean, the politics of this, this is really a a political policy issue. But up on Wall Street, they are taking this so incredibly seriously, and they're not looking at it through the political lens. And in fact, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon speaking exclusively to Bloomberg Television uh, within the last 24 hours. He said that he also does not think that the U.S. and China will get a deal done by Friday. Coming up, much more on the fallout of U.S.-China trade talks, deal or no deal, plus investigations up on Capitol Hill. Breaking news tonight, headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as the Senate Intelligence Committee issues subpoenas to Donald Trump Jr. over the Russia investigation and more fallout from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, what the latest pressure the State Department is putting on Iran. Panel stays John Summers, former communications director to Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, and Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to House Speaker Paul Ryan, now a partner at Blue Engine JDA. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. 
Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The saga continues up on Capitol Hill. The House Judiciary Committee voted to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for failing to comply with a subpoena for Robert Mueller's unredacted report. This, as the White House continues to assert executive privilege over the special counsel's work. It was a 24 to 16 partisan vote on Wednesday, and it's the latest move in the escalating clash, as my colleagues report for the Bloomberg Terminal, Stephen Dennis reports, that the escalating clash between House Democrats and President Trump. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We are joined in studio by an all-star panel. John Summers is former communications director to Democratic Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. And Brendan Buck, he is former spokesman and advisor to former Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he's a partner over at Blue Engine JDA. All right, Brendan, we were talking in the break. I mean, what does this actually mean to be held in content of Congress what, like, what, 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 what does this mean aside from just messaging? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't think it means a lot. Certainly, you can try to enforce a contempt, but that it's usually symbolic. I, I think what's important to appreciate, though, at this point is sort of how bonkers it is that we are already at this stage. Let, let me just back up. It is not unusual to have disputes over uh, requests for people to come in and testify. It is not unusual to have disputes over document requests and big fights between admit, the executive branch and the legislature. That is, that is normal. What usually happens is over a period of months, period of weeks, they work things out behind the scenes, they have accommodations, they negotiate, and they come up with something, and you work it out. Now, it is not necessarily unheard of to, to hold someone in contempt for not complying with a, a request, but usually that's at week 10, that's at month 6. The fact that we're one week after they asked him to come, he's already being held in contempt, is, is, is sort of crazy. And I, I guess what you saw today was a, a Hail Mary play by the president to assert executive privilege to try to bail him out, hoping the Democrats could not hold him in contempt for something that he had privilege over. And they just said, yeah, no, that's fine. We're still going to hold you in contempt. So this is so fascinating. And Brendan Buck, who has spent years uh, up on Capitol Hill uh, in the House of Representatives and the Speaker's office as well. John, and you know this from the Senate perspective. I mean, take us behind the scenes. Take us into the backroom meetings, because is this just political theater on both sides? I think there's a very – yes, there's political theater. I think there's also <laughs> – no. But I, there's also a very real concern about you know this separation of powers. And as cliche as it's almost starting to sound, because we hear about it all the time, it is a very real concern. And you know, to Brendan's point, I think he's right. It's moved very quickly to move to contempt. But that's also – as a result of what this administration has led to. I mean, if you go and tell Congress to go take a flying leap, then clearly you've made it clear that there is no, there is no back 
back-end negotiations. There's no backroom deal, so to speak. So they move forward with what they have available to them. I mean, mean, when you have an administration that's not willing to have a conversation, it's not willing to work with you, and all all they want to do is say no and, and exert executive privilege over everything, what else are they left to do? I mean, my understanding is that he was still willing to negotiate with them over terms that he was that he would come into. I, I'm, as far as I know, he didn't say no way, no how. I will not show up. No way, no how. Will you not be given any documents? I think he'd already made a request to the Democrats to show them um, everything unredacted except for grand jury information, and which is in normal practice. It's not like he's afraid to go out. He was just at Martin's Tavern in Georgetown the other night. I mean. Uh, with uh, the NCIS guy, right? That show. I'm like, first of all, I want to know what booth they sat in over at Martin's Tavern. I was, was it the Nixon booth? Was it the, what's the other booth they have over there? No, Kennedy. Kennedy. The, yeah. Well, no, that's what. That's where Martin's Tavern was. Where JFK yeah. proposed to Jackie. I just like the fried green tomatoes. But back to politics. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we do have the, the House Judiciary Committee Chairman, Jerry Nadler, uh, speaking earlier after President Trump invoked executive privilege over the full Mueller report and its underlying evidence. Here's the chairman from the Democrat from New York. This decision represents a clear escalation in the Trump administration's blanket defiance of Congress' constitutionally mandated duties. So where does it go from here? I, I still just don't I, get yeah, where it goes. I from. feel I, I I don't really know what Jerry Nadler is doing. I mean, I understand that this fell in his lap, and he feels a responsibility to to try to make something of it. But uh, at this point, I don't really know what they're trying to find out. We waited for two years for a report from Robert Mueller. He was given uh, enormous resources to get to the bottom of all this, and he produced this report. This, it's bizarre to me that the, this conversation is taking place. In the, as though the context is that this drawer, this or this report is in a drawer somewhere, locked up, and we don't know what's in it. We know what's in it, and to the extent that there were uh, things that were held back, redacted, he's offered to make that available to them. I don't know what it is that they think that they're looking for. They know what what is out there, and if they feel like that there should be a next step, like impeachment, go for it. And but at this Speaker point, Pelosi, I don't know what they're doing. Speaker Pelosi is warning on Tuesday. She, the other day, I mean, she was at what was a Washington Post event, and she's. She's talking about impeachment. But see, I was listening. You know, you try to, like, decipher, John, through the lines uh, in particular about what she was saying. It was almost like she was trying to appease the far left in her party, which is screaming for impeachment. But also, you know, at the same time, in a weird way, tamp it down. And, and, And she's essentially saying President Trump wants to be impeached. So to Brendan's point, John... What is it precisely that Democrats want? Well, again, I think they they want Barr to come testify again, right? I mean, that's what they're that's what they're looking for, and he should. And this whole thing that we don't, you know, it's ridiculous. His big thing that he didn't want was to have attorneys question him. Well, it seemed fine for the Republicans on the Senate side when we were going through the Kavanaugh hearing, and they wanted to do that. So this this sort of you know, I don't even know hypocrisy. You know, is but, okay. It, you cannot uh, respectfully. You, I, are you comparing the Justice Kavanaugh proceedings to the 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 Mueller investigation in AG Barr? When I actually had a problem with on the Senate side, the Republicans abdicating fully their responsibility by giving all of their questions to the attorneys, whereas they're now saying, "Oh, wait, to have an attorney in the room and have them ask a couple of questions in addition to." 
you know, some of the members. Yeah, I'll, I think there. I think there I'll, is. I'll a actually, difference. I'll actually defend Johnny. It's not un- unprecedented to have a lawyer or a staffer question a witness. That is not un- necessarily unusual or, or uh, unprecedented thing to do. So, uh, but this, to my point, I, I think there was a way to to work this out if they wanted to work it out. But I don't think they wanted to work it out. To your point, I think they want some theater. I think they want some drama. I think they want everybody talking about this right now. Um, now, ultimately, I don't know if this serves their political purposes because I don't feel like they haven't laid a finger on Donald Trump in this entire time. They've been training all their fire at Barr, and that's fine. Barr's probably not going to be elected president, but uh, that shouldn't really be their focus at this point. All right, we're going to leave it there. Coming up, Donald Trump Jr., speaking of investigations, he just got subpoenaed. So you're going to be hearing from Don Jr. Uh, up on Capitol Hill. Panel stage, John Summers, Brendan Buck. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app. Check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Trade talk deadline coming up. Those tariffs set to increase on Friday. 12.01 12.01 a.m., a China delegation, a trade delegation arriving here in Washington, D.C. in the next couple of hours to meet with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer. Wall Street's on edge. Republicans are on edge. They don't like the tariffs. It's already trickling out into the 2016 presidential field. President Trump tweeted against former Vice President Joe Biden, saying that he would be tougher on trade against the Chinese. Meanwhile... The situation up there on Capitol Hill, well, investigations. The House Judiciary Committee voted to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for failing to comply with the subpoena for Bob Mueller's unredacted report. I wonder if Bob Mueller was talking about that at Martin's Tavern the other night when he was spotted there over in Georgetown. I mean, like, what what is Bob Mueller thinking right now? He is what he the only person in Washington who people want to hear speak. Republicans, Democrats, President Trump, probably even A.G. Barr, is from Bob Mueller. And he goes to Martin's Tavern. Can't make it up, folks. Can't make it up. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. John Summers is former Communications Director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Brendan Buck is from Georgia, and he is also the former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he's a partner at Blue Engine JDA. Did you guys see this headline that just crossed the Bloomberg terminal within the last hour? Donald Trump Jr., Get subpoenaed, not by the House, but by the Senate, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Republican-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee. My colleague Shannon Pettypiece and Laura Curtis writing for Bloomberg, quote, The Senate Intel Committee subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. over testimony he gave to Senate investigators related to the Russia probe. The committee wants him to respond to Michael Cohen's testimony on the Trump Tower Moscow project. Somewhere behind bars. I would presume, if he can, Michael Cohen, President Trump's former personal fixer and longtime attorney, probably getting a good chuckle out of this because he's still having the ghost of Michael Cohen is still being cast into Washington, D.C. Let's take a little bit from or let's hear a little bit from what Don Jr. told me when he called into my show in March after the Mueller report came out. Here's Don. Take a listen. 
Well, this was an incredible vindication for my father, for myself, uh, for our family. You know, more importantly, it, it was a vindication for all those great Americans that stuck by. That was Donald Trump Jr. Uh, talking to Bloomberg a couple of weeks ago. John, I mean, what more do they like? What more are they trying to find out? That was a couple of months ago, actually. Time flies, Christine Barada, executive producer of Sound On. Uh, what what more are they looking for here? What 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 more is there to get? What is, with with respect to the Senate, John? I know you come from there. What more can they get that Bob Mueller couldn't get? Well, first can't go on unchallenged that the Mueller report did not exonerate Donald Trump as much as his son Trump Jr. would like for people to believe. So, um, but in terms of what they're thinking, it's a great question because this is the Senate Intelligence Committee. This is led by Republicans, not led by Democrats. So, uh, I, I, I'm at a loss yeah, as to what I, they I, what they're actually. I think thinking. this is fascinating. I, I, yeah. Obviously, we need to get more information. But remember, one of the things that Michael Cohen went to jail for was lying to Congress about the Moscow project. Um, now, it, it turned out not to be the smoking gun uh, as it related to any type of coordination or collusion with the Russians, but he misled the House Intelligence Committee, and and that's what, one of the reasons that he's in jail. It's interesting to me that this is the same topic, apparently, that they're interested in. My, my guess, if I were to speculate, is that they now that they have the Mueller report, they're able to go back and, and cross-check what he had found and what, what he was told. Um, but curiously, I would assume if uh, Bob Mueller was able to decipher that, that uh, Cohen had lied, he would also know if, that Donald Trump Jr. had lied as well. So if, if, if there's something that, that he has i'd be curious what it is mm-hmm. yep agree no, no, wow I no mean, I, I mean <laughs> i mean i think brendan summed it up perfectly i think we we need to hear from uh the committee chairs to why they're going about the, this. the fact that it is a republican-led committee is interesting to me mm-hmm. and, and i would love to get some more information about what it is that tipped them off at this point that they want to have him come back in and i'm sure we're going to end up with a, another fight on our hands with him refusing to come in and refusing to uh come back for further questioning it's it's it's, it's going to be interesting. The saga continues. We chronicle it every single day. What's fascinating, though, or I think not. I mean, what what is also notable to both of your points is that when you testified before Congress, and this tripped up Michael Cohen. You cannot lie in congressional testimony. You can't lie because you'll get you trip over yourself, and next thing you know, you you know you're lying under oath. So I mean, it could be a perjury trap. Could not be. You got to be careful with those words. Well, and this is one of those cases where things have changed a little bit. People have gotten used to lying to Congress, right, and getting away with it. And now we're seeing for the first time in quite a while people actually going to jail as a result of it. Correct. I, 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 I don't think either political party has a monopoly on Lying. Oh, agree. Uh, I do want to switch gears, though. I, I want to switch gears uh, because there were some major developments uh, on foreign policy, uh, particularly with President Trump uh, and Iran. President Trump has banned trade in Iranian metals, uh, ratcheting up tensions. Uh, President Trump issued an, an executive order on Wednesday prohibiting the purchase of Iranian iron, steel, aluminum, and copper. This is they've completely pummeled Iran uh, with sanctions. I want to play for you Secretary of State Mike Pompeo discussing this uh, uh, Iranian threat. Here is Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in London. We share the same perception of the Iranian threat, and we are together trying to find new ways to work closely to combat that threat. 
Pompeo's been on this global trip as he's gone everywhere, including to uh, uh, the Middle East uh, to, to meet with troops as well. Uh, but it's the latest indication that the that the administration is continuing to pressure Brendan Iran. Uh, how uh, uh, how would you grade the administration with Iran? Well, at some point, you know, we have to – a decision was made a year ago to back out of the Russia, or the uh, Iran agreement. And if we're going to do that, there also then needs to be follow-through, and I think that's what you're seeing here. You know, we've, we've uh, put in place sanctions, and then you can't just let them sit. They need, they need to be live things that you, that you monitor behavior and, and you step up. I, I think we've been a bit – um, out on an island uh, in the international community on this, and I think that's why you're seeing Pompeo out there trying to get other nations to take the same approach that we have. Um, but obviously we're heading to, toward a bit of a conflict because um, the Iranians are, are, are reacting, and knowing that John Bolton is in the White House and he has sort of an itchy trigger figure on these type of things, um, I think we're probably going to see um, more of this uh, escalation going forward. And quite honestly, you can't look at this stuff in a vacuum because, you know, the North Koreans are keeping a close tabs on this as well. Look, earlier this month, the U.S. revoked waivers that had allowed eight countries, including India and China, China, including China, to import Iranian oil despite American sanctions. Now those waivers are gone. They ripped them up, threw them out. They're gone. So the pressure continues with Iran uh, and it continues on a trade front uh, with the Chinese. Much more all week on special coverage of Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio on the U.S.-China trade talks. My special thanks to uh, Brendan Buck. He, of course, is a partner at Blue Engine JDA and former spokesman to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. And John Summers, former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. Thank you both for stopping by to talk all things politics. Thank you. And policy. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check me out as well as my colleagues on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Have a great day. Drive safe. You are listening to Bloomberg 99.1. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.